0: At this time, would you turn in your Bibles to the scripture reading for today, Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. It's found in page 1,198 in your pew Bibles. Again, that's Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Starting in verse 12. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the eternal word of God.
1: Have you ever wondered how God can be just in having Jesus Christ bear our sins, die in our place, and for us to be forgiven on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done? How can the actions of one person be attributed to another person who did not voluntarily participate in those actions. What is the just basis of that? It's very important that we understand the basis on which our sins are forgiven. If we're to understand our salvation, it's necessary for us to understand our condemnation. Mankind was lost through the sin of one individual, Adam. And mankind is saved by the righteousness of one individual, namely Christ. In the passage that's before us, there's an extended analogy that's made in reference to our relationship to Adam and our relationship to Christ. In our union to Adam, we have sin, condemnation, and death. In our union with Christ, we have righteousness, justification, and life. The complete opposite. But what is crucial for our understanding in this text is that the analogy of Adam and Christ is not an artificial or contrived analogy. It is a real, true, vital analogy. Analogy. There is a true syncretism that takes place in these analogies. We're to see that there is a direct correlation in the condemnation that comes through Adam with the justification that comes through Christ. The key verses are verses 18 and 19, if you look with me at them. Romans 8, 5, 18 and 19. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience many will be made righteous. The theme this morning is that just as we were lost through our relationship to one individual, namely Adam, Adam, so too we are saved in our relationship to one individual, namely Christ. The uh, first point this morning is that we are lost as a result of our relationship to one individual, namely Adam. It keeps referring to one, emphasizing the fact that it's all about our relationship to one individual, not just about us. Notice, we are lost as a result of our relationship to one individual, namely Adam. And there are three elements to this lost condition. We were sinners, we were condemned, and we experienced death. So first of all, due to our relationship to Adam, we were made sinners. The one man that is referred to here is Adam. Notice verse 14. Well, excuse me, verse 12 first. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, this one person, that one person is Adam, verse 14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. When Adam ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin entered the world. When the scripture speaks of sin entering the world, it's referring to sin as it relates to the human race. When Adam ate from the free fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin entered the human race. It affected us all. For through Adam, all sinned. Notice verse 12. Therefore, just as sin became into the world through one man, And death through sin, and so death spread to all men, and now here's the reason why, because all sinned. The sin that's in view is not our own individual personal sin, but the sinful condition that we are in as a result of Adam's sin. When Adam sinned, he sinned for each and every one of us. Well, how do we know that? How do we know that it's not talking about our personal sin? Well, our personal sin has already been addressed in Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our text states that all died even though their own personal sins were not like Adam's sin. Notice verses 13 and 14. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted when there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. The argument is that from Adam to Moses, the law had not yet been given. The Ten Commandments had not yet been revealed. And yet, people were sinning. Not in the same way that Adam did, for Adam broke a specific command of God. You shall not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He ate from that tree. But death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though people had not broken the Ten Commandments. They had not yet been given. Didn't matter. The issue was, but Adam had sinned. And this text states, through the disobedience of one man, namely Adam, many died. Notice verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's transgression. The key to this passage is this emphasis on one man. One single person has brought about this death and condemnation for all. Due to our relationship to Adam, we are all condemned. Verse 16, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. We stand under God's judgment. We're condemned along with Adam. We share in his condemnation. And in our relationship to Adam, we experience death. Notice verse 12. Wherefore is by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin? And so death passed upon all men. Why? For all have sinned, but it's the sin in Adam. We died, there is spiritual death. Jesus said to, excuse me, God said to Adam, the day that you eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. He died a spiritual death that day. But there's also physical death. Genesis 3.19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. You are dust, and you will return to dust. And then there is eternal death. And that came, it says in verse 12, because all sinned. So now the question is, how do we have a connection to Adam? Why, when he sinned, we are viewed as sinning? And consequently then, what is our relationship to Christ? Why, when he is righteous, are we collectively viewed as righteous? That's the heart of this this passage. Why would their actions be attributed to us? The immediate context does not specifically tell us the basis of our union to Adam. It states it as a fact. It reveals to us that there is this union that exists between Adam and ourselves, so that when he sinned, we all sinned. But the basis of that union is not explicitly stated but rather assumed. But this morning I'm gonna take some time to unfold what is the basis of that union through the collective understanding of the scriptures that are somewhat assumed in this text. What is important in answering the question about our connection to Adam is the fact that there is an analogy whatever that connection is to Adam there is a relationship with our connection to Jesus Christ in other words the way in which we're connected to Adam somehow must be the same as the we are connected to Christ now with that presupposition, realizing that there is an analogous relationship that we have to Christ with the relationship that we have to Adam. And let me demonstrate that for you. Romans 5.17 Notice, for if, because of one man's transgression, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. In verse 14, the text tells us specifically that Adam is a type of Christ. If you look at Romans 5:14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Now, these words, who was a type of the one who was to come. So Adam serves as a type. He serves. For our understanding of the one who was to come, that is Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ is referred to as the second Adam. 1 Corinthians 15:22. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15:45. 45. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So the connection between the two is very important. The way that we're connected to Adam and the way that we're connected to Christ. So, first, we have a relationship to Adam through a covenant that God made with Adam as a representative of all mankind. We are physical descendants of Adam. However, it is not simply or merely or solely a matter that we are physical descendants of Adam. That is the basis of our relationship to him. There is more to it than that. If it were a matter of merely being a physical descendant of Adam, then sin would have entered the world through Eve. For... Eve sinned before Adam did. But the scripture says that sin entered the world through Adam, not Eve. Remember, again, Eve was the first to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Our sinful nature and condemnation comes in our connection to Adam, not to Eve. This is one of the reasons that Christ was born of a virgin. So that he would not be physically connected to Adam, but physically connected to Eve. That he would not stand in a place of condemnation, and so he is not a part of Adam's lineage. But it's important to understand that Adam was our representative in a way that Eve was not. And furthermore, if our relationship to Adam were simply physical, then the relationship would not explain our relationship to Christ and how his righteousness can be accounted to us. For we are not physical descendants of Christ. We are not part of his physical lineage. So it can't be just the fact that we are physically related to Adam. There must be more than that. It's also helpful to keep in mind that this argument is in keeping with the overall tenor of the book of um, Romans. We have just gone through a lengthy section in which it was demonstrated that the promise to Abraham was not to his physical seed. But one had to be a spiritual descendant of Abraham. Whether you were a physical descendant, you still had to have faith. Or whether you were a non-physical descendant, you could become a descendant of the promise by faith so it wasn't just a physical relationship to to Abraham so all of this is very consistent god made a covenant with Abraham and he was our head in that covenant that covenant is referred to in hosea chapter 6 verse 7 which says but like adam they transgressed the covenant they have dealt uh, faithlessly with me, with me. So, Adam transgressed the covenant. He was not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He did. And when he did, we did because he was our representative. Now, the first thing that we could say is that's not fair, that's not right. Why would Abraham, uh, excuse me, why would Adam be our representative? Why, when he sinned, did we sin? And we would say, that's not fair. I would submit to you that Adam was a very good representative for us. Uh, He did reflect what we would do. And if you ever think in your own mind that that, how do I know that? How do I know that if I were in the garden, that I would have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Uh, How do I know that he really represents me? Well, we know it from the testimony of Scripture. They, like Adam, have transgressed the covenant. We know it from the testimony of Scripture, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we know it from our own experience. Who is going to sit here today and say, I have never sinned. 1 John one nine. if we say that we have not sinned, we are a liar. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us sins, even though we know the consequences to sin. Every one of us knows, every one of us sins, even though we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, convicting us. Every one of us sins, even though we have this Wonderful relationship to Christ through faith. If I sin now with all these advantages, we can know for certainty that I would sin when I was in the Garden of Eden without all those advantages. But that's really actually neither here nor there. For the real issue is the fact that this covenant was made, it existed. And he was our representative. And as a result of this covenant, when he sinned, we sinned. And the reason that we need to rejoice in is because that is the basis for the new covenant that exists between God and Christ. And why when he acts obediently, it can be attributed to us. Now... The word of God tells us that there is a covenant that is to be made, a new covenant, Jeremiah chapter 31. And we know that that covenant is made in the blood of Christ. Every time we partake of communion, we read Luke 22:20. 20. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This is the new covenant that was established with Christ as the head. And we are made participants in that covenant with Christ by faith. Romans 5, one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith, we are joined to Christ. Romans 8.15-17 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness That we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. So, because of this covenant that's made with God and Christ, as Christ being the head of all those who place their faith and trust in him, his righteousness can be applied to us. So now we have the analogy applied. So back to Romans chapter 5. The analogy applied. Just as we are lost Through our relationship to Adam, we are saved through our relationship to Christ. First, in Adam's one sinful act of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we were all made sinners. Verse 19 For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. B. In Christ's one act of obedience, many are made righteous. Romans 5, 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sin, so by the obedience of one, many may be made righteous. Now the many's there are not equal. The first many is all. The second many is all those that are connected to Jesus Christ. But the fact is that it is the obedience of Christ, death on the cross, that is applied to all those who are partakers of the covenant. Philippians 2:8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's what's referring to as the obedience of this one man. It was the ultimate final act of obedience of dying on the cross in our behalf. But there is also a dissimilarity between Christ. And Adam, notice verse fifteen, but the free gift is not like the trespass. there is a difference between what takes place with Adam and what takes place with Christ. for christ's righteousness covers not only the sin that Adam committed, but our own individual sins as well. Notice verse 15. Did I say Adam? I meant Christ. so Let me say it right. Christ's righteousness covers not only the sin through Adam, but our own individual sin as well. But notice verses 15 and 16. But the free gift is not like the trespass. Now you need to jump down to verse 16 to pick up on how that's applied. Free gift is not the result of one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So, with Adam, sin passed upon everyone. But when Christ died, he paid not only for the sin collectively that comes through Adam, but he also paid for our individual sin. That's why the the many offenses, all right? So he paid for the sin under the covenant through Adam, and he also paid for our own individual sin. So in our relationship to Adam, we were condemned. In our relationship to Christ, we are justified. Verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation, For all men, so the act of righteousness leads to justification to all men. In Adam, we stood in a state of condemnation. In Christ, we stand in a state of justification, a place of acceptance with God. In our relationship to Adam, we died. In our relationship to Christ, we live. Verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned, that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign, now these words, in life, through the one man, Jesus Christ. We have physical life as a result of our relationship to Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 20-22, but in Christ has been raised from the dead the firstborn of those who are asleep. For as by Adam death came, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. We have spiritual death in connection with Adam, we have spiritual life in connection with Christ. There is eternal death in connection to Adam. There is eternal life in connection with Christ, which is verse 21. So then, as sin reigned in death, grace also reigned through Jesus, through righteousness, leading to these words eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, sin, condemnation, Death through Adam. Righteousness, justification, life through Christ. By being in a covenantal relationship to these two individuals. We enter in this covenantal relationship through faith. Through faith, we can be a part of the covenant That exists between God and Christ. Imputation is all about how the actions of one person can be attributed to another. Imputation is all about a covenant relationship. That exists between the head of the covenant and the people that participate in that covenant. Let me say it again in a different way. As the sin of Adam, my representative, was imputed to me, reckoned to my account, so too the righteousness of Christ, my representative, is imputed to me and reckoned to my account. As I was condemned, declared guilty, and made liable to death in Adam, so I am justified, declared righteous, and made an heir of life in Christ. So the issue this morning is, do you have a relationship To Christ through faith. He is the head of the covenant. He is the answer to. Adam's sinfulness. And our own personal sinfulness. It is the basis. On how the actions of one person. Can be attributed to another. It is through a covenantal relationship. That exists between God and the head of that covenant and all the people within that covenant. And you are a part of the covenant, the new covenant, if you exercise faith in Christ. Uh, I hope that was somewhat clear to you this morning, but it is very essential as we work our way continuing on through Romans chapter 5 and l- later into the cons- uh, in the subsequent chapters. But I'm forgiven through Christ because he's my representative. I have his righteousness as I had Adam's sin. Let's pray. I pray, our Father, this morning that you would make these things clear and help us to understand our our salvation, help us to understand the basis of it. And most importantly, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that has never trusted in Christ, I pray that they'd realize that they're without hope. Uh, They are under sin. Adam's sin and their own sin. But Christ's righteousness can be ours by faith. For he is our covenantal head. And we can be forgiven based on what he has done by his dying on the cross. His righteousness. His justification. His life becomes our righteousness. Our justification. Our life. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful gift. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.